prepare your ears, humans. Happy, sad, confused begins now. Today on Happy, Sad, Confused, a trio of chats straight from the Toronto Film Festival. Nicholas Cage, Kit Harrington, and Anna Kendrick. Hey guys, Josh Horowitz here with another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. And yes, this one's got something for everyone. Safe to say, uh, three extraordinary actors, two of them new to the podcast. So, okay, I'm going to make this brief because there is a plethora of great conversation coming at you. As you may or may not know, I was recently at the Toronto Film Festival, saw a slew of exceptional movies, got a head start on the big fall to come of some of the big prestige movies, and I also snuck in a few conversations for Happy, Sad, Confused, of course. So you know the drill by now. If you want to watch these conversations, you have two options. If you want the first dibs on the conversations, go over to patreon.com slash happy, sad, confused. Everything goes up there early. The audio, the video, the guest announcements, the discount codes for the live events. That's where you get that stuff. If you just want to watch the video version of this podcast, uh, if these respective conversations, go to our new YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Josh Horowitz. The only other preamble I'll give you, we've got a bunch of live events coming up in New York City. Elizabeth Moss, Mila Kunis, Ralph Macchio, all the information on tickets in the show notes. That's the business. Okay, conversations. You're going to hear three back-to-back conversations in this episode, as I said. So uh, let's start in the beginning. First up, the man, the myth, the legend, Nicolas Cage. He has been on the list for quite some time, guys. So this is only about a 20-minute conversation, but we packed a lot in. We talked about his new film at Toronto. It's called Butcher's Crossing. Uh, it is kind of an anti-Western. Nicholas plays uh, really a, a dynamic, interesting character. You'll hear him talk about it, kind of cut from the cloth of a Colonel Kurtz or an Ahab, a big, bold look. He's got, he goes bald for the role. Um, and this conversation's great. We talk about comic books because, you know, he loves that stuff. We talk about Brando stories, premiere stories, lots of fun. He lived up to every hope I had for this conversation. And yes, I, I believe, I truly believe we're going to get him for the main, the big one, one of these days too. A little bit later on, we're going to talk to Kit Harrington, who I caught up with about his new movie that just screened at TIFF called Baby Ruby. I don't believe it has distribution yet. I really enjoyed this one. Um, you should check it out when it comes around. Basically about a young couple um, dealing with a pregnancy and child and kind of part thriller horror and part black comedy. Kit's fantastic in it. Definitely a change of pace for him. And again, uh, a first time guest on the podcast though we've of course chatted before. Yes, we talk Game of Thrones. Yes, we talk House of the Dragon. Yes, we talk about his Marvel future. We pack a lot into that conversation as well. We round out our trio of conversations with a returning guest, someone who is a regular unhappy second fused that I can never pass up the opportunity to catch up with. It's, of course, Anna Kendrick. Uh, Anna is fantastic in her new film, Alice Darling. Uh, again, a change of pace for her. More dramatic, um, kind of a stripped-down indie, uh, kind of dealing with gaslighting. She plays a young woman in a, a bit of a toxic relationship. Exceptional work from her. Uh, and even given the subject matter, we had a light, fun chat about the film, about her upcoming directing debut. 
uh, about a simple favor and its sequel that they are working on, um, and also about her escaping from an elevator in Toronto, which she had just done moments before I caught up with her. So strap in, guys. Nicolas Cage, immediately followed by Kit Harrington, immediately followed by Anna Kendrick. This is the best triple feature in town. Enjoy this special episode of Happy, Sad, Confused. A distinct pleasure to have Mr. Nicholas Cage on my little old podcast. It's good to see you, man. Happy to see you. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, congratulations on the film. I mean, like, I, I, I saw it the other day, and we're here in Toronto. It just premiered. I, give me a sense, first of all, just over the years, you've been to countless premieres. What jumps out to you as like a memory that, that, that was surprising to you, an experience at a premiere where maybe it was better or worse or unusual than what you had expected? Well, I didn't, the last one uh, at South by Southwest for Massive Talent, I didn't expect that. I didn't, I didn't expect these giant foamy costumes as different incarnations of so-called Nick Cage, the Nicky character out front at the premiere. I didn't expect the kind of uh, transference of electricity that was in the room between the audience and the cast members. That, that was a, a real fun night, and that was kind of brand new for me. Well, what about in, ter in terms of brand new? I mean, you grew up loving this, and you still do to this day. When I think of just actors who love acting, I think of Nick Cage. Like, Thank you. Do you remember the early years of like the first premieres you went to? And just Terrible. Like, oh my gosh. Real stressful, or what? Yeah, I was so nervous and I was so hard on myself and so hard on the movies. In fact, here, 1987, Moonstruck premiered and Norman uh, was in the cinema with me. And I the remember- Canadian, wasn't it Norman Joseph? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. It was my first Toronto, uh, it was my first TIFF. And I, uh, I remember I got up and I walked out. I said it was, I was a nightmare. I couldn't, st I, I, the movie doesn't work. And I was really stressed about it. And of course I was entirely wrong. The movie's great, movie, everyone was great in it. And, and, but Norman got, I got a call like, is he okay? He didn't seem too happy. And, and I remember I went to the premiere of Valley Girl, the first premiere, and I was sweating. Literally remember a trickle of sweat coming down my face and Lance Henriksen was sitting in front of me. My chair at the cinema was behind him and I was sweating the lights came on and I was so stressed out. And he turned and Lance said, do you have any idea what kind of actor you are? And I, 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 I was like, I, I don't, I, I'm horrible, I'm horrible. And he kind of relieved me. I remember that. So those were the first two premieres. Hopefully you're less hard on yourself now. Well, I, then I went to Birdie with yes. Alan Parker. <laughs> Let's just go through every one. I want to hear every single one. What do you think? <laughs> so what do you think, Nick? Any good? <laughs> I just kept walking. <laughs> oh, man, I was, I was a mess. In your own head. I, just... I, while at heart, I actually left buzz. That was, was Can, wasn't it? That was like that a big That was premiere. Can. Yeah. I was pumped. That one, I, I started to really enjoy the experience with the other ones and i had no right to be so hard on them on the movies on myself on the co-filmmakers i had no heart i can only no imagine right. the environment of can and wild at heart that electric a mess it was it was electric but people were booing people were cheering well, that's lynch every I, lynch movie yeah, it's yeah but i remember <laughs> i was in a room with bernardo bertolucci 
uh, Isabella Rossellini, David Lynch, and myself, and I was I was kind of having a massive panic attack, you know, and I finally just got up and left. And it was like I could hear them through the door. Is he okay? What's wrong with me? <laughs> <You know? laughs> I hope you had a more chill experience on this one. Oh, oh no, I had a. I'm 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 past all that. You know, you got to remember, I started when I was 15. I was just a kid, you know, I was a baby at the Valley Girl premiere, and I was relatively a baby at the Moonstruck premiere, you know. This one, I mean, shockingly, is kind of your first overt Western. I mean, you kind of like hit every genre. It's what the mark of an amazing career that you've dabbled in everything, more than dabbled. Um, and, I, and I love this character. This is kind of like an archetype that we've seen done very well, and you, you follow in, in the lineage. It's, it's kind of that intelligent, obsessive, it's got that Ahab, Colonel Kurtz vibe. Yeah. Are you the type of actor that like, goes back to those? I mean, you know those roles sure. either. You've seen Apocalypse, I'm sure, a thousand times. But One do you go favorites. back? Is it help you, or yes. do you find that gets in your head? No, I love it. I love it. I, 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 I don't see how any kind of a rehearsal or any kind of research wouldn't do anything but help a yeah. performance. And, um, you know, the director of this particular movie would say that he's not a fan of the Western genre. I personally like Westerns, but he feels that this is more of an anti-Western and, sure. and feels that the uh, Western archetype of what is good, what is evil, has done a lot of uh, <clears throat> negative uh, in terms of what it means to be a man, uh, in terms of programming us as men. But that being said, there is a romance to the Western, but I would say my next picture, The Old Way, is more leaning in the direction of the traditional Western archetype. This is more of an anti-Western, more of a kind of a, not a message per se, but a reflection of the darker sides of the human nature that lead us to ambition, greed, and bloodlust to bring an animal to extinction. And it's still happening today. I mean, shark fin soup. But, but what I think um, helps me is reading books that that inspire me and this book John Williams book Butcher's uh, Crossing is a great blueprint and I had been invited to do The Sea Wolf with Ron Howard and he changed his mind to The Grinch but I read that book and I loved Wolf Larsen because the character is a dichotomy he's a conflicted character he's remarkably intelligent he's well read he's reading Milton's Paradise Lost and then he's on this blood sport to kill all the seals. And I thought that Miller would be my chance to try and examine that type of a character. You know, but in this case, Miller is also, it's implicit, but he's also kind of an agent of genocide. In my mind, it was a subtext is that he knew specifically, you kill the bison, you kill the American buffalo, you kill the life source, you kill the spiritual life source, the food life source of the people, the First Nation people. So the two things were happening at once, and it really did happen. There were 60 million buffalo, there were 300 buffalo. There were how many Insanity. Native Americans, yeah. and then that, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's why he wanted to make this movie. You, you, you have a great cast in this, but you did have a co-star that uh, apparently wanted to murder you. Are you and Rain Man, your horse okay oh, now? Oh, Rain Man is a superb horse. I. I that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> You're okay. Oh, no. He's a superb horse. Okay, yeah. you got through it. Because yeah, yeah, there was, no, that, that became a thing. He's beautiful in the movie. He's okay. a great horse. Okay. Talk to me about, like, your decision on a look of the character. This is like, you've had yeah. a lot of different looks over the years. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's kind of a shock to the it's system fun, to see right? you in this yeah. bald with the, the, the facial hair. Um, was that your idea? And no. no. It was Gabe's idea. What, how did you respond to that? Well, the first thing he said, because 
you know, I don't follow a lot of sports, but I, of course, who doesn't know the phenomenon that is Michael Jordan? And if there is an athlete that I, there's maybe a handful of athletes that I really find remarkable and amazing to watch, and he's one of them. But he's also like a real killer on the court. He is going to win at all costs, and people know that. And Gabe, being from Chicago as well, you know, Bulls and all that, he, he said, I want you to look like Michael Jordan. I go, well, what are you talking about? I want you to shave your head. I go, well, well, well why? He goes, well, because I think that the energy that to win at all costs, that ambition, I think, is applicable to Miller. I thought, and I thought about it. I thought it was a good idea. So I said, okay, and I did it. And then I thought about the similarities between Kurtz in Heart of Darkness and Marlon's portrayal of Brando's portrayal of Kurtz in Apocalypse Now. And I thought, okay, well, this could be a coalescence yeah. of Michael Jordan and Marlon Brando. <laughs> Two names I don't think we've ever connected before together, Leave except to through the funnel that is Nicolas Cage. <laughs> exactly. Leave it to you. Did you have a relationship with Brando? You must have. I met him a, a few times, and I, I, I always liked him. He was hilarious. I mean, he, I, but one, the one time that comes to mind was... <laughs> He had given a little talk, uh, I think, at the CAA building, and I went with Giovanni Ribisi because he was a huge Brando fan, and we went. And I, and I afterwards, you know, Brando t told all these really surreal, abstract, and marvelously absurd stories. And I said to him, you know, Marlon, you know, you've really written the inspiration for me to, to do this. And he said, oh, Jesus Christ, Nick, give me a fucking break. <laughs> That's the thing about him, is that like, because you're in some ways, not from the acting prowess part, but the other part, you're the opposite, in that like you revere and love this, and he lost it. He didn't care. He didn't give a shit about acting. And that just bums me out so much. Well, he said, end. he said there's, uh, one, two, three, uh, you know, there's uh, a good actor doesn't know where the camera is. Uh, a great actor knows where the camera is. And Marlon Brando doesn't care where the camera is. <laughs> Sums it up. <laughs> oh no. Um, speaking, speaking of bald looks, yeah. you've said Egghead is the, is the character oh. you'd want to put. Do you have an inter why Egghead and what's your interpretation? What do you want to bring to the table? Well, you, know what, you know what I mean? It's like Egghead is Vincent Price, right? He's one of our other great yes. American superstar actors that I revere and had so much fun watching growing up, Theater of Blood. So I, I was watching the Batman show because I really wanted to see what Vincent Price was going to do. And the character is hilarious. I mean, everything starts with excellent and it's <laughs> ecstatic and, uh, you know. <laughs> Yeah, but my if but I'm not gonna you know I'm not calling Warner Brothers. This is, this is just more of a <laughs> a fun little like fun little yes. thing because I'm on a red carpet. Somebody asks me a question, I want to give them a funny answer. But yeah, there is an approach to that character that could be terrifying, and I've thought a lot about it. But I'm not going to share it with you. <laughs> Our next so, conversation, we need to build to that. We'll that's get there. on page forty-seven. Okay. <laughs> It's funny that, like, you obviously you have the history of being associated with Superman. I feel like you would be, like, approached at some point for a, a Batman. Like, Nick Cage on, as Batman makes sense to me, in a well, way. Yeah, well, it's interesting. There's two kinds of people in the world. There's Superman people and there's Batman people. So you're people. a Superman person. Well, I'm, I'm kind of both. I mean, <laughs> you just, just said there was a he, he, Well, I mean, well, uh, 
you know, the, you can't have it both ways, Nick. Well, you're right. You're right. Well, I don't want to talk anymore about it because this is going to go viral. It's just it, anything to do with comic book characters. Just it just goes. We can't and let go. them ruin our fun. There's two geeks talking about things we love. Superman is interesting because Superman, you know, you think about um, you know, what, what is that energy, you know, and it's, it's really the, the desire, the need, the, the absolute commitment to do that which is good to a point where it's, is this, a, is this almost a condition? Is this a... You know, a, a flaw. Another obsessive, another... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> something like, what is that, where is that coming from? Why do we need to be a hero so yeah. much? Because you don't feel accepted, because you feel alienated, because you aren't one of us and you got to fit in. And then on the other side, you have Batman, who seems to get a lot of power. From, well, he's the most tragic character in all of comic bookdom, isn't he? I mean, look what world, happened, yeah. how he came into the yeah. world and became the Batman. You know, so his energy is coming from a place that can go either way. He could he can do things that are, but he never uses a gun. But he could still do things that are a bit extreme, extreme yeah. and malevolent. Yeah, Kevin Smith said he wanted you as Bizarro Superman. I never had that conversation. I don't know anything about that. Okay. I never it never came up. I'm, I was never a part of that conversation. So you can't rope me into that. <laughs> I'm not a part of that. You are. You were a part. Of Spider-Man as Spider-Man Noir, are we yeah, going to get to see more of you? Well, the, that uh, that would be fun. I would love to do that. What well, you already did? I mean, is there well, more I in did it, but I wouldn't it be great to see see a live action of that character because I could bring all the you know my favorite actor of all time is James Cagney. Of course, you know he in, he is something else, and he will always be that energy that I want I would aspire to. But yeah, I'd like to bring some of that energy and the bogey energy that Spider-Man Noir could embody. Um. You've never done television. You're like one of, it's like you, Tom Cruise, Leo. Like no one, everyone else has done TV. Is that well, a, I did, that a, I did one. I did The Best of Times, which was a pilot. George Slaughter uh, Productions, George himself discovered me. He, and he discovered me when I was 15. He made, and I did one show and it didn't get picked up. So it never happened. I never went to series. And I'm thankful for that because I want, my interest is film acting. It's right. cinema, you know? So is that, that's a philosophy that's just important to you, especially in these times when we talk about, like we worry about the future of film and, and yeah. theater going yeah. that's just going to be to your dying day like this is what you've devoted your craft to your life to and it's just what it is it's well like, they say never say never but the, the reality is my interests are cinema yeah i want to make movies that's why i'm here and why we're talking uh, movies are what i love it's no i'm with you the close-up it's james dean it's you know being at quentin's cinema the new beverly cinema when i was 15 and having a nervous breakdown while Dean was having a nervous breakdown watching East of Eden. That is why I said, this is what I have to do. I got to try and get there, you know? Is, uh, you mentioned Quentin. He, uh, a few years back, mentioned you as one of the three great actors in his estimation. Uh, he listed Sean Penn and Tim Roth as his favorites of all time. I can't believe you guys haven't worked together. Have you talked to Quentin at any He's, point? I, I would put Quentin in the box that is the friend. You know, he's a friend. Yeah. I consider him someone that I, I love talking with. I love communicating with. He's somebody that inspires me. I, I think it's just magnificent that he bought the new Beverly Cinema and the Vista. And he's keeping these movies, that experience that I had to get in the movie. He bought the church, you know, that, and he's a guardian of the flame. He's a guardian of the church. And so, you know, I, I, my, my instinct is to keep it in the friendship zone so we can have these delightful 
exchanges and, and, and make lists about favorite films and talk as film yeah. enthusiasts. I, I've been geeking out. He has a book coming out, as you may or may not know, and he also has like a podcast where him and Roger Avery just talk about like the movies they grew up watching. Yeah, know, well, the video I'll store. probably do something like that at some point for sure. Yeah. You know, because me, yeah, me I would you, love to you know. go and talk with Quentin at yeah. some point. You know, I just I enjoy the uh, the communication from coming from the brotherhood that, of those of us that the are devotees. that like are the church love, movies, love right? the church of filmmaking. <laughs> Are there actors today that are taking the, the Nick Cage big swings? I feel like there are not enough. Like, this is what I've always admired about you, is like, as much as you talked about being afraid at premieres early on, you strike me as a fearless performer and have Thank been you. from the beginning. Thank and, you. And I'm all in for the big swings, Thank <laughs> always. Thank you. Do you see that in the new generation no, right now? not as much. Right? There are some that definitely have the, 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 uh, the flair and the verve. I mean, Joaquin. You know, I, I, I absolutely just adore everything he does. Yeah. And I had the pleasure of working with him on 8mm. We had a, sure. a lot of laughs and we had so much fun together. And I just, everything he does is, is, is inspiring. I think Daniel Day-Lewis, you know, he has that, the guts, you know, when you look at what he did in uh, There Will Be Blood, you know, or uh, Gangs of New York. I mean, he's, 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 He's got that Cagney largesse, yes. and he's also got the subtlety to do the Phantom Thread. He has it, you know, I say Joaquin and, and uh, Daniel Day have it. Are you a Tom Hardy fan? It's a weird one to bring up, but like <laughs> Venom, which is I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of, I feel like that's like a Nick Cage swing. If he was like doing that kind of movie, that's like, that's what he would do. Well, I haven't seen Venom, but I, I, uh, I, I do think he's terrific. I, 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 I like so much of, of what he does. Um, uh, I've been operating on like five hours sleep because okay. I just had new, a new, new baby. Again. But what, okay. what was the picture he did where he was in the car? It was just him. Of course, Locke. Uh, Locke was right? uh, Bravo, Tom Hardy. We never have you ever done like something like that? I'd love to see you like that contained I did, environment. I did just recently wrap up a picture with Joel Kinnaman called "Sympathy for the Devil," where it was just the two of us predominantly going through this movie together, mostly in a car. Yeah, but with Locke. Hardy, it was just him, you know, and I thought that was magnificent. I thought that was arguably one of the best performances of the decade. Do you remember your last audition, Nick Cage, way back when? What was the, do you remember like when it ended, when you never had to step into that audition room again? Oh, yeah. It's a long it was, time now, was, I'm sure. It, was, uh, <laughs> it wasn't good. It was, <laughs> it was, it wasn't really an audition. It was one of those uncomfortable meetings, and I don't know, it was, uh, was it Adrian Lyne? I don't think it was Adrian Lyne. Were you a good auditioner, like back in the day, or were you Probably like, not. No? No. See, I have a theory about auditions, and I think now they, they, they do it more often than not, which is you gotta put a frame on it. You gotta put your audition on tape and put a frame on it. Because if you do something genuinely amazing in, a, in an audition, in a room, it's going to be original and it probably is going to scare them. If it's genuinely great, it's going to scare them away. So if you put a frame on it, they can look at it and go, wait a minute, what was that? And sleep on it and go back and look at it and go, wait, oh, there's something really going on here. Right. So that's my, my recommendation. Uh, if, I'll wrap this up, but I'm just curious. Is there any status update on the face-off sequel? Have you seen I a have script? No, no status update. I have not seen a script. Nothing. Are you ready? Do you still have Travolta in there? Do you have the Travolta voice and mannerisms? It's well, still... I, I don't know about that. I, I know that I, I think that the group that is, 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 seems sincere about putting this together are 
people that I like. I like the, um, the auspices of the filmmakers. I like their, their movies. I think they're a lot of fun. And I think they have a concept that is pretty complex and it could, could really work, but I haven't seen a script. Well, in, in, in keeping with the, the Ahab kind of theme, you've been one of those white whales for me to get on the actual podcast for quite a while. And Thank this is you. a little shorter than we usually do, but I'm still, I'm still gonna wear you down. You're gonna come on the real podcast okay. one of these days for the, the full geek out career conversation. Let's do it. Okay, okay I'm gonna I'm hold there. you to it, man. Uh, Absolutely, man. Yeah. Uh, congratulations on the new film. Thanks, Always a pleasure, buddy. Thanks again. Thanks, All right, man. Cheers. Mr. Kit Harrington, it's good to see you, man. You as well. You know what's funny? Like I feel, I was, I was thinking back to our past chats. Mm. We've never had a, a chat about. We, we never did a Game of Thrones chat. So did, I only talked to you about Testament of Youth. Xavier's film here. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like Game of Thrones doesn't even exist. I talk about. This is what I want to say. I'm here for the real stuff, for the art. Yeah, Game Excellent. of Thrones is great. Yeah. I'm here for the, for the true breadth of your career. I love that. You're a very rare interviewer <laughs> who hasn't asked me about Thrones. Oh, You're we'll more that. than welcome to. <laughs> no, no, but um, I was saying to you before, we're here at TIFF, uh, one of my favorite places to view film, and I just saw your movie this afternoon, and I sat a couple rows behind you, and I was scared for you, because I can only imagine what that experience is for yeah. for someone like you. And you were telling me that was your first time seeing Baby Ruby. That's a rare thing that I will sit in, a, in an audience for a premiere of something I'm in having not seen it in a dark room by myself. That's bravery. On my own. I, <laughs> I, I request that. Like it's my one sort of little thing that I request is to be able to see something privately on my own because it's a painful, it's a weirdly painful experience as a kind of, as an actor uh, or a creative in the, someone on screen to, to, to do that with a whole group of people. Yeah. But weirdly, with this movie and today, it didn't, it didn't bother me at all and it didn't bother me going into it. I was kind of quite chill about it. Um, and again, I said this to you before and as I said to you, I would have said nothing if I didn't believe it. I really dug this movie. Oh, it, it, it's it's called Baby Ruby and it's, it's a challenging piece of material because it really is kind of a bunch of different genres that somehow are all executed very well. Uh, in a nutshell, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, it's basically about a young couple having a child and the anxiety and horrors and neuroses that brings up. Um, and, it, and clearly, and I don't, I certainly I'm not gonna go too personal, but you've, I know you've talked about this, this mm. is like obviously rings true to your own life and it mm. must have come, I would presume, after you became a parent. Yeah, ver and very hot on the heels of. I think Bess, this landed on my desk and, um, and then I chatted with Bess about it, the director, about it. Um, probably within the first month of being a parent. Um, so right in the world that these two in the film find themselves in, I was in when reading this movie. And then by the time we came to shoot it, my boy was four or five months old. So I was sort of coming out of that very early stage of, um, of, of parenthood. And it really rung true to me. And I remember saying this to Bess because it, it, I felt that what I was told I would feel or what society requested that I feel didn't ring true with what I actually felt. Right. And now I, I've got that year and a half in thing of, oh, parenthood's great, I love my child, all of that stuff, that I wouldn't have to be really careful with young parents now not to do that myself. Right. But in the early stages, it was a huge shock to the system. I didn't know what I felt about this little creature that had landed in my house. I, I, 
I knew I had to look after it, but I, I it wasn't it. Right. It was a definite it, and I, and I was, uh, you know, and I, me, and me and my wife, and I'm sure she wouldn't mind me saying this, felt that very, very strongly that it was a, the, the trauma of it, the shock of it, was overriding um, any kind of early parental feelings we might feel. Right, and there must also be that, I'm not a parent, but I can only imagine from what I know of like just that insecurity almost of like, wait, am I supposed, am I allowed to feel this way? Mm. Like, should I, I've been told exactly. my entire life, this yeah. is gonna be the greatest experience of my life. Yeah. Sheer joy, and there is that. Yeah. But there's a I, lot of other things too. I'm really careful now when I meet new parents, I kind of say, how are you doing? Yeah. You know, you're doing okay? It's, it's crazy, isn't it? It's quite, you know, rather than, isn't it amazing? Which is what I want to say, being a parent of a slightly older child now. But I, I need to remember that it, it, I think any major change in your life, and there's no bigger major change than having a child, takes at least a year to reconfigure your brain and the synapses and everything. Uh, and it definitely does, does take that when raising Raising a little, a little one. Um, would this film have been useful for you to see prior to becoming a dad? Not, you think? not directly prior. And I would, I, I <laughs> might think, have dissuaded you. I Might've... do think there should be a warning on it for anyone who's pregnant. Yeah, yes. I think if you're if you're thinking about having a child, by all means, watch it. If you're pregnant, maybe wait till at least a year after you've given birth. This I is think. a fair. You're limiting yeah. your audience, but you're being very nice yeah. about it. That's, yes. Another thing I love about this, and I know we share this, is we like kind of genre mashups or or, or just really mm. big swings. And this one is is it's a challenging one, and that mm. like. I think it plays, you can kind of like come at it in different ways because there's a lot of comedy there. I laughed a lot watching it. Like what did it read to you? Like was it presented to you as like, oh, this is a drama, this is a comedy, this is a thriller or did they just send you the script and then you interpret it? I like my movies like I like my music. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be able to fit it into a genre. Right. Uh, I want it to slip into the cracks of many different things, you know, and I, when I read something, I'm looking for that, I think. I'm looking for being a bit confused by it. Being, even if it's not perfect on the page, and that's not me saying this movie isn't, but it, like, it, even, if I, even if I'm reading it and going, well, that's not great, but if it weirds me out and yeah. it's kooky and strange, and it do, I can't work out whether it's a horror or a thriller or a comedy, or a, then I'm interested. And, and I think a lot of stuff I've done has, has, has been that. Even to the, I'm, I'm gonna bring it up now, even Thrones, <laughs> even though I didn't have the choice back then and it wasn't an offer and it was one of my first big jobs, I remember reading that and going, I have no idea what this is. Right. It's like a fantasy, but it's also a, like, a mob thing. I, I don't know. And it's I, a swing, it's a big swing. Yeah. And that's what I always say, it's like, I don't like, I don't need doubles in my life. I don't need like, let's use a baseball analogy. Yeah. I don't need like a kind of a safe, like, okay yeah. movie. Yeah, Go yeah. for it or don't go for it. Exactly, try. If it fails, fine. But right. if I, 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 I kind don't... of admire the failures yeah. too, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we gotta be able to fail. Yeah. And I, and I, um, and I thought this about Bess's script. I, I thought what I liked was, I saw really weird comedy, yeah. dark comedy in it. Um, uh, and obviously it's kind of thriller, horror, yep. genre vibes it in there as well. I, it also addresses kind of like this, this pressure to be a front-facing perfect person, to have it all mm. together, right? Which like, whether you're a parent or not, 
I feel like it's a very relatable thing right now, and especially, you know, then there's a social media component of it all. Um, and for anybody can relate to this, but for public figures especially, mm. you've faced this where it's like, I'm sure like, you know, like you're human, you're dealing with real shit in your personal life, mm -hmm. and, and, you, and then you have to go out in public and go on a red carpet yeah. and present to the world that yeah. everything's great. And is that, is that something that you feel like you've had to kind of reckon with since fame has come to you to kind of figure out like how honest to be about like the inner <laughs> shit that you have to deal with because you're a human being? I feel I'm pretty like, I'm a bit of an oversharer, and I'm, but I'm pretty honest about stuff generally in interviews, I think. I just don't see the need to do it on a daily basis <laughs> to the world <laughs> on social media. Right. I don't see the need. I don't see what it gives me. Yeah. I don't see what it gives anyone else particularly. It's and empty I, calories, I, empty I, really bad calories. Yeah, but yeah. I do see what it takes. Yeah. And I, you know, having a child now, thinking about the world he's growing up in, and me and Rose have pretty anti-social media. I wouldn't say, you know, each their own, fine, but for us, we're, we're not interested in it. Um, You're not working on Twitter, Instagram, no, you, none of good it. for you. None of it. You're like, more evolved than, than I am. I, I, <laughs> but I, think, I think some people have to be, and I think in your job yeah, you yeah. do, and, but I think I've avoided it, um, and this movie does talk about that. And you can see her attract. By the way, Noemi Marlon in this. Fantastic, is yeah. Fantastic. And I just saw her in Tarot, by the way, too. Yeah. I mean, she's having a good yeah, run here. Yeah, she's great. She's a phenomenal actor. Um, her eyes being dragged back to the screen yes. in, in, in this movie, even when she's trying to raise a child, dragged back to the screen. I think I relate to that. My, my phone is a huge component in my parenting now. My, yeah. It wants me to look at it and not my child. And that's kind of scary. That is scary. Or it wants me to look at it with my child. <laughs> what, about, what about in terms of looking at the phone for, it struck me in watching the movie, like every parent must Google a strange like theory or ailment or question. Mm. What's the strangest thing you've Googled in your early years of, as a parent? I think something about snot sucking. <laughs> like, like when they get a cold and they, this is someone, no one tells you this, right? They get a cold and they've got a bunged up nose and you've got to suck the snot out of their nose with these like little motorized things. And before they had those motorized things, you had to, you had to do it with a pipe. You had to suck the snot out of your child's nose. Wow. That was, that was a weird Googling morning. <laughs> That's a revelation. How that. to suck snot out of a child. <laughs> Does it have to only be for a child sometimes? Like, I, I tried it on myself. Yeah. I did. Yeah, of course yeah. you do. Yeah. Why, you know, any psychopath wouldn't. <laughs> Can I come clean, by the way? Sure. In, in our past conversations, yeah. I had never watched Game of Thrones in right. any of the times we had chatted. And, yeah. I, and I always felt so much stress. <laughs> I felt the weight of the world oh, on I my like shoulders. We're, we're, we're no, coming clean no, about it stuff. Felt, yeah. It felt like a lot. Like yeah. I was like, I didn't want to say the wrong word. Do I say that I haven't seen yeah. it? Do I fake it? And I tried to find a middle ground. And I guess we're okay. You're absolutely fine with me not having watched. No, but I have not watched it all. Have you? Okay. I, I did. All right. It's a good show, but congrats. It's a Thank really you. good show. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you should feel very proud. I'm proud of it. <laughs> I'm finally proud of it. Yeah. Yeah. Can you? Can okay? Here's my, my little Game of Thrones section, and I don't sure. worry, I won't berate you. But um, this potential spinoff kind of shocked yeah. the world and shocked mm. me. I mean, it was, I mean, obviously, it's a hugely rewarding experience mm. you had. But apparently this was initiated by you. Can you say like, what, 
like, is there unfinished business for you in this character? Is that what initiated this? Like, where is your head at in terms of trying to develop this? The only thing I'll say about that is I know nothing about it. Oh, come on. <laughs> George Sorry. is talking. Sorry, George. Well, George. George. George is allowed to talk. He George can say is anything. allowed to talk. Yeah. Would it be, in theory, interesting to assume that? character one more time. I'd be, I would be talking in riddles if I go any further. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough, fair yeah. enough. How about this, the new yeah. series? Are you watching or does that give you like PTSD to no, like, watch I, it? Interestingly, I am and I thought I would have PTSD about it and I really didn't and I watched it, you know, because I was intrigued but because Miguel is my friend and I wanted to see what he'd done with it and I had a real kind of palpable like fear of sitting down and, and watching it and I felt emotional and felt strange and seeing people in the costumes, you know, and me not being involved, all in the lead up of the press felt odd. And then I watched it and I was like, it's a different thing. Yeah. It's a different thing, it's a different show, it's different people. And I just felt overwhelming like um, support for them. And, and, and real, um, really proud of what they'd done. Not that I should be proud because it's nothing to do with me, but like, I was proud for them. I think that they've done a really good show and it's its own thing and yes. it's really hard to follow up a, a big show like that. And I think that they, they've, they've nailed it and made it their own and that's great. I'm just saying, if this rumored spinoff ever happens, I know you're a big Friends fan, mm. I just hope it's better than the Joey spinoff. That's all I'm was saying. Was there a Joey spinoff? You don't remember the Joey spinoff? No, I don't. You've blocked it out. It, yes, there was. Oh, I must have blocked that out. Yeah. So don't, don't, don't go the Joey route. No. You can do better. It wasn't Matt's fault. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where are we at on the Marvel front? Is there any like? Do you know more than when Eternals came out? Has the game plan changed? Do you know? I know you're not going to tell me what, but do you know yeah. the plan? Uh, I, again, I, I, and this is true, I, I don't know much of what they're planning and, and, you know, I hope to be involved in future stuff with that character, with Dane Whitman and, and that he might go on and be the thing that everyone quotes at me in the street, but <laughs> I honestly don't know. I don't know what their plans are. I know they're going into a kind of phase five and... You don't know if you're going to spend more time with Mahershala no. or Harry Styles. You don't I know don't, what the I don't know. I know that, you know, obviously Mahershala's voice is right. came in at the end of Eternals, but you, you just don't know where they'll take it. And, and really, and I mean this genuinely, and people never believe you when you say this, but they don't tell us much, really. And I think for right. good reason, because we'll be in an interview like this and we'll go and spill the beans. I'll wear you down after a day of press. And yeah. Like, fine, Josh. Yeah, fine. I'm in Blade, okay? Is that what you wanted? <laughs> yeah, Can I yeah. leave now? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, you're telling me the truth. I'm holding I'm you to Absolutely, this. pinky promise, okay. I swear. Okay, Just looking forward, generally speaking, what's on the agenda? I know you just did some theater back home. Yeah. I'd love to see you do some theater in New York. I'm just asking about New York. Is I'd that love to, yeah. I'd love to go and um, do something in New York. The play I did isn't going to New York. It was a kind of one-off thing in London and it was a dream for me doing playing Henry V and, and I just love that experience. Uh, I'm now looking for whatever the next play is. I don't like to spend more than two or three years away from being on stage if I can help it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, I'm, I don't know whether it will be in London or New York, who knows. It's, it gets harder and harder as, you, as your child grows up to spend lengthy periods of time away in another city. but. You know, the right thing at the right time, maybe. 
are you the, the type of actor that kind of makes the list of the, the current actors and filmmakers you're into and, and chase that? Or is it, is it more sensible just to like take what comes in, negotiate, see what's there? I am more of the latter, yeah. um, but I'd like to be more of the former. And I think I respect um, a lot of you, have your card run out? Yeah, go for it. Sorry, and I'm almost done, sorry guys. All good, no, 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 all good. So you're not going to jump to D23 tomorrow and make a big announcement about... Not unless they call me in the next <laughs> five hours. not jumping on a private plane right after this? No, no, no. That was my fear. I'm going to ask that, him. But that then... shit can happen no, with Marvel. No, I know. They could be like, right, you're going there now. And you're like, okay. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I live by the ethos of, like, who fucking knows? Yeah. When they call me, they call me. It's a weird Say la vie. That's a, like, yeah, that's probably the most sensible because like, yeah. otherwise you're going to drive yourself crazy. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You really could. Yeah. Uh, there is a bit of a waiting game nature of it. Yeah. There is. Okay. You've got a lot of people to... You good? Yeah, yeah all okay. good. Excellent. All right. What was I saying? Um, so, uh, I know... Uh, we're, we're back on, guys. Sorry. Um, oh, we were talking about like um, being fans of people's work and kind of like chasing the material, developing material versus letting it come to you. Like, where are you at right now? Like, are you actively looking for a certain type of experience, certain type of film or TV or what? I think I'm turning into that person. Yeah. I think I've lived for a while in just seeing what comes through the door. And there's an, and my friend has a saying of the cavalry isn't coming. You know, I've, I've always lived like, oh, something's going to, you know. And I think actually the wise actor and the wise creative keeps their eyes on what's going on and looks for the right filmmaker to work with next. And that is what I'm starting to do. Um, it's hard when you've got a toddler. Yeah, I, simp I, 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 don't, I, like, say, I don't sympathize. I, I understand, You get to the though. evening and you're like, I don't want to. And turn is, on a mindless show? It's a little bit or? like being a chef, right? Chefs don't go home and cook themselves an amazing meal. Like, as an actor, like, I find it quite hard to sit down and watch something of an evening because it's your free time and it feels like work you have to dedicate time to do it and that's what i'm i'm doing as a, as a working you practice just, just be careful because soon enough the, ch the child will be old enough to start dominating your choices and then you're you're yeah. watching a lot of a pixar is great but that's going to be your life <laughs> for the next yeah. seven years yeah maybe um I appreciate the time, man. Uh, Toronto's always a, a, a madhouse, and, and squeezing me into a busy schedule means a lot. Um, the movie, uh, I hope, gets exposed to a big audience very soon, because it's, it's a really challenging, but, but I was going to say fun. It is kind of a fun piece it of work. It is kind of fun. Yeah. It is funny and fun, and, and I, I think that you could look at this and read its description and go, ooh, that's going to be bleak. Uh, but you might miss something by doing that. Like, it's, yeah. it, there's some real humor in it. Big swings always. Yeah. Go after the big ones. Yeah, you, yeah. you always do, man. Uh, thanks for catching up today. Yeah, thank it, you. That was a great interview. Thank you very much. Anna, we're doing it. We're back. It's happening. It's happening. Get ready. Well, not ready. It's, it's happening now. Okay, great. Well, then I am ready. Um, you've just escaped an elevator, right, as I understand. This is breaking yes. news. We're in Toronto. Breaking news. Toronto, like, secretly doesn't want me here, I <laughs> no. feel. No, we all, like, pack into, and it was genuinely one of those moments where we're like, can we all fit? 
yeah, why not? And then the elevator actually got stuck. And at first I was like, we're not stuck, guys. That, it's just, that's too crazy. That wouldn't happen. And I'm just waiting for a very unremarkable thing where the, you know, firefighters come and they, because sure. we were waiting there for a while for the firefighters. And like, I thought they would just open the door. No, we were between floors, like a movie. You were Look built for me. this kind of situation. I'm in Die Hard, baby. <laughs> it's happening. Meanwhile, I did nothing. I'm like, I'm an action hero. The firefighters are like, you you hung limp like a baby and we saved you, you idiot. I am. I truly was, as I'm like climbing up going like, I had a very short skirt option today. <laughs> and I said, no, no, no. I just feel like I want to wear the long skirt. You were a changed oh person. I, I, I knew the Anna I before new and now Anna post-traumatic incident. Right, I'm suddenly full of gratitude all the time. <laughs> this will last an hour and right. then I will immediately go back to being bitter about everything. Oh no, I want the bitter Anna back. Okay, great. Okay, let's just skip the gratitude part. I hate everything. Yes. <laughs> um, it is legitimately good to see you out in the wild in, uh, in person like human yes. beings. Congratulations on the new film. Thank you. So Alice Darling, we're gonna talk about. This is, uh, it's like kind of like Girls Trip without the laughs a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, you can it's have that like for free. very That's... grim, sad, handheld girl strip. Yeah. Yeah. I was put off by the blooper reel at the end. That was surprising <laughs> to me. <laughs> I hate when you have great bloopers on a really sad movie, because guess what? You still have fun of on course. a really sad movie, and you like build friendships and like have fun moments. And then you're like, no one's ever going to see no. these. Not even on a, if DVDs were still R.I.P. <laughs> Uh, maybe the they're, maybe they're coming back, considering all the all right. the HBO Max stuff. Maybe DVDs are coming back. Yeah. yeah. Um, but even so, like, there's no blooper reel on this. But funny stuff happened. We're allowed. <laughs> you were allowed. You and probably needed on yes, something like this. Yes. Very so, that. Okay. So so talk to me a little bit about this. This is. Uh, it's an excellent performance, an excellent film that really is a much more realistic look at something I've seen in film over the years: toxic relationships. Yeah. And we've seen kind of like. You know, like the sleeping with the enemy kind of like genre version of this. Yeah, um, I know. I was just talking about sleeping with the enemy this morning. Which no shade to sleeping oh, with the enemy. Oh, not at by all. The way. Great film, <laughs> tense. Get those towels lined up perfectly. Mm -hmm. Remember that. Um, but talk to me a little bit about what resonated with you about this when this one comes along. Yeah, I mean, I think the the thing that you're talking about is exactly the thing that resonated for me. That um, you know. The screenwriter Alana was bringing a lot of her own experience into it, and she like wrote this script that on the page you could feel the tension and the poetry of it, like the kind of like anxious, oppressive atmosphere of the movie. And there was never a sense of like, oh, but what's gonna happen next? It was like th very clear from the first page that this was a kind of psychological portrait. And um, that also meant that like, the people who are gonna be drawn to this movie are gonna be coming into it because of that. Right. Um, so everybody was like bringing their A game because everybody was coming into it really passionately. Um, whether they'd uh, had a personal experience with a relationship like this or very close to somebody who did. And I think everybody's, either it's happened to them or they're close to somebody that it's happened to. And so, you know, you it's something that sort of touches so many people. And it meant that everybody was bringing like real heart and real specificity to the movie. And um, it was like this atmosphere of like half group therapy and half filmmaking. And um, yeah, I, I think we all felt like well, we could sort of do some cheats here and take some shortcuts right. and make sure that, 
I don't know, like that that we've got like a movie movie and and it just felt like, but then why are we here? Yeah, why are we do doing it. this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about because I know you've talked about how you know, this also, as you said, you related to this as many people will on a personal level. Like, did it? Did you find that, in retrospect, that was helpful for you? Do you feel like, oh, are you, I'm fixed now. This movie fixed me. I'm good. <laughs> oh, God. Wouldn't that be great if <laughs> right. art fixed us? Yeah. Yeah. If art fixed people, man, <laughs> artists would be less crazy. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting that draw to, like, work through your stuff in art and know like it's not gonna fix your problems it's not a route to healing but there's still that like you're compelled to do it anyway um and i do think that there's um there's like value in um in knowing that like oh this is sort of the movie i wish i had seen you right. know that kind of thing like that was what i talked to mary the director about uh, a lot was like i think you know there are lots of portrayals of um, abusive relationships where people would go, well, that's not happening, so I guess I'm fine. Right, that's not off the and, checklist, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and like that to be in this very confusing state for 90 minutes um, has value because, you know, when, like one of the first people that saw it told me that he was like, yeah, for like half the movie, I wasn't sure if Alice was making it all up. Right. And I was like, that's that's kind of the thing that I, I couldn't put it into those words, but it was like, right, that's what you're going for because that's the experience. Right, well, it's a very subjective experience for an audience member. You're kind of like in her shoes, in her head, and you're kind of like, yeah, wait, am I going crazy? Like, am yeah. I, is this like, is this psychological black swans territory where I'm like losing my brain, my mind? And Completely. I guess what you're saying is sadly that's really the experience for many people. Yeah, and to be subjective means that you're questioning like, yeah, I, I'm watching the movie, I feel like I'm going crazy, and how much can I trust Alice? And yeah. of course Alice is not sure. Yeah. So um, that was a, a really juicy place to, to be and like a place that we all wanted to be uh, mining. Are the rewards of this, Are you? is it different for you to do something like this? Because it's been a minute, I feel like, since you've done something, you know, not that the oh, other I stuff is. Oh, I did this for the paycheck. Yeah, the exactly. fat <laughs> paycheck that I got for this. Infinity War, Endgame, watch out. <laughs> Alice Darling is coming for you. you. Um, but no, I mean, it, that is the goal, right? Is, is to create some, some meaningful art for yourself and the audience. Does this check a box just like creatively that hadn't been fulfilled? In a minute or yeah, not. well, I mean, I, I do think that I I did go into it feeling like um, I had been working so much um, before COVID that I uh, I was getting very good at acting for Video Village and like knowing what they wanted mm -hmm. and giving it to them because I'm a very professional young lady. Um, and that was like the thing that I was fulfilling on a daily basis. Yeah. And um, to do something that is more restrained is really terrifying. Right. I think to be very still and know that the dailies are going back to, you know, whoever's watching the dailies and that they might be like, huh, Today didn't make me go, the dailies look great. Right. And trust that like it will be a whole performance yep. is really scary and uh, uncomfortable for me because I 
you and I have a similar thing where yeah. it's like I know how to mm-hmm. I know how to perform I know how to make everybody happy mm-hmm. and I know what they want and I'll give it to them and uh, to trust that like I I I know what you want today but what you're gonna want in a year is something a little different yeah um, and something a little more whole and again like the whole exercise for me now is about self-trust. So to trust that was actually really valuable. Is there, so the movie's called Alice Darling. Is there, has there been a quote unquote kind of like a pet name that a friend or lover or whatever has given you that, you, that you've hated, like a condescending kind of in retrospect, like, oh, I can't believe I let myself be called this. Oh, there's something, um, not like a not like a boyfriend, but um, when girls that I don't know that well call me sweetie, Oh, what's happening? What's going on here? I don't know why. I, I'm sure that other people don't have a problem with that, right. but there's just like, there's something about sweetie I feel where like I'm I, like, you have to know me for at least seven months before you get sweetie. I feel like in, 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 in your presence over the years, I feel like I've heard a lot of like, oh, honey, kind of a thing. Like, I don't know. In my presence? You, you saying that to me or others. And I don't, and I well, feel like that's, that's a. That's because I enjoy teasing you. Yeah, that's probably it. Okay, so <laughs> speaking of. I've, All sweetie. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I've looked back at our thousands of conversations over the years. It's kind of an interesting time capsule of pop culture to look at like all the like this or that Iggy Azalea or Kim Kardashian it's like oh, it's always right. like it's always like we're always talking about what's in the moment so in that spirit I cuz you are my barometer for what's happening in pop culture always you keep me young Anna <laughs> um, are you watching War of the Rings or House of the Dragon I have not watched either, which is bananas, what right? To you? I know, I know. This was well, I'm about the to, well, I'm thing. about to direct, so I'm in like I'm in like movie land. I'm watching like lots of um, 1970s movies to get inspired. But because I I am like I when was the last time I binged a show? What what is going on with me? But I'm trying to like you know be a professional and do my research. It's really annoying. The the dating game is the film. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited for you. Okay, uh, uh, this is pretty soon. You're shooting, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so what's going to be the vibe? What's, what's the vibe of the movie? What's the vibe of Anna on set going to be? Or are you going to be... Uh, a taskmaster? Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Every horror story you've ever heard, right. I'm going to top all of them. That's my goal. The good news is that young female directors are given a fair shot, and they mm-hmm. always get good press. And they can misbehave as much as they want. Yeah, it's an yeah. even playing field. So you're fine. Absolutely. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. It won't overtake the movie at all. Um, no, the the vibe is, uh, it's, you know, look, it's a scary movie. It's, it's been, it's, it's based on a really enraging, harrowing true story. Um, and, uh, but it's also, uh, again, it's a script that I really responded to because there's moments of real poetry in it. And it's, um, it's, uh, this really shocking framework of like a serial killer who went on the dating game, but it's almost like an inroad to to talk about intimacy and shame and um, really kind of get into um, some of the the juice of of um, the way that you put yourself at risk and the way that you know and the way that this man operated and kind of managed to slip through the cracks in the system and took advantage of that for many many years. Have you have you thought about like I mean what does it fill you with when you think about like those first couple days that are going to be on set? Because I would imagine you've been thinking about this for a few oh, years. Oh, full blackout. There's no way I'm going to remember the first three days. <laughs> Just all adrenaline. But, I mean, you 
you know, you, you're a high energy person anyway. I could imagine that for those first few days, it's going to be just manic yeah. in the best possible way. I know. I actually, um, I'm, I feel like I have to remember to like, I can get very, again, I think we're sort of cut from the same cloth in this way. Like I can get very just like prefrontal cortex where it's just like, okay, I just need to focus on this thing and I can figure this out. Yeah. And that to like breathe into myself and like get my body involved right. would probably be a good idea. Um, and uh, to be able to like actually be present for the experience will be something I'll be trying to do because I know it will be uh, tempting to just go into like hyper-focused right. um, uh, adrenaline brain. I'm very excited for you. Um, Thank you. Talk to me. So there's been no escape lately. You haven't been watching Top Gun Maverick like on a daily basis just to like decompress. Oh, I know. What have, you like, not, have you not seen that film? No, I haven't seen it. I know. I know. Be. I know. I should Anna, be. You should I be. Should in be. The, you should be a pilot. You don't take up much space. They can oh, devote more yeah. weaponry. Is that, is that a thing with pilots? Is it like jockeys? Yeah. I think, well, I don't, that's a good question. Well, I'm not going to say anything about Tom's size, but I mean, we know he's not seven feet tall. Yeah. So yeah, I think I'd be a great pilot. <laughs> Just saying. That's really the main requirement for pilots is it's, to just not take up too much space. Yeah. So Everybody you're, knows that. You're in. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, you have never done, as much as we've talked about over the years, like, your love of fantasy and genre and stuff just as a, as a, as a consumer, you've never been in armor on a horse. And I'm ready yeah, for it. And what I the hell? That's true. <laughs> hey. Hey, world. <laughs> What's going on? I know. Do you I not feel chase like, it? Do they not I, think of you? I What's happening? I think it's possible that I'm just thought of as too uh, loud and shrill to be on a horse in shining armor. That right. might be the, that might be the issue. Well, there were loud and shrill people in medieval times. Like just just giving speeches like today we ride, okay? <laughs> for honor, for valor. <laughs> Follow me now. Um. I don't know why my phone isn't ringing. Yeah, weird. Uh, I'm trying to do you a favor, just expand the options. Uh, a simple favor? Yeah. So this is, I, I was gonna say an unlikely franchise, but maybe not. I mean, there was always hope from the beginning. Uh, yeah, I mean, from we, Paul, I like, think, right? I, yeah, I think that like the idea always appealed to, to Paul and I was like, well, of course it would be heaven to do more of these, but in what way? Right. How would we do that? Um, and like the, I obviously can't say anything, but like it's so clever, it's so good. I'm so excited. Um, Are there adjectives you can assign to this? Is it more? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm is, trying not to get in trouble, guy. You and Blake, you and Paul. The the, the triumvirate is back. Mm -hmm. Does Ryan get in? Does Ryan Reynolds get a, a cameo? Um. Uh, I mean, I I imagine that that's up to Blake. I, you know, she wears the pants in the film and all the time. I imagine. <laughs> but you like the script. You're excited by the. I'm the very ideas. very excited about the script. It's all happening, Anna. We're back. As I long know. as you can keep escaping elevators. Can you believe that? No, I'm really frankly amazed you survived. Like really, when when we got stuck in between floors and like, because I was waiting for the door to open, and when I heard them on the top of the elevator, I was like, my life is a movie. <laughs> what a way to what? go, though. What a great What's story. In retrospect, in the years to come, I could have said, oh, my buddy Anna Kendrick is, died in an elevator mishap. Well, I'm glad I didn't die, Josh. <laughs> Me too. I'm just saying, if but, you're gonna go, make it a good story. But immediately, as soon as like any of this happens, like the from the microsecond of like, wait, are you serious? We're stuck in the elevator. Immediately, I'm like, well, this is a story. Like, 
this is how my brain works. This is good. I, Talk show story. Yeah, you're like, Fallon, got it. <laughs> I'm like, today's going to be a lot easier. Yeah, one less thing. Uh, it's good to see you, buddy. Good to see you. And so ends another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Remember to review, rate, and subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. I'm Daisy Ridley, and I definitely wasn't pressured to do this by Josh. Ha, <laughs> ha,